Okay, good morning, everyone. Um, if you have a Bible, uh, you could be finding uh, Psalm 98. We're going to spend some time uh, in this psalm this morning. And I'll just find it myself. I trust that you can hear me okay, and online as well. Uh, so Psalm 98, that's where we'll be uh, today. And then just to let you know what's coming up in the coming weeks. Uh, next week, uh, looking forward to having uh, Chris Frost with us, uh, coming from a uh, church that he leads in Leeds, Leeds Gateway Church. Um, so it's, it's a while ago now that we last welcomed uh, Chris amongst us before the pandemic, I think. Uh, it'd be great to have him with us uh, next Sunday. Then the week after that, we've got Jeremy with us. Jeremy and Anne will be with us the following week, the 3rd of October. And uh, look forward to what Jeremy will bring to us as well. Before then, we will be starting a new series uh, in, our, in our preaching uh, after that. We're in, we're in Psalm uh, 98 today, and we're going to spend a little bit of time looking at this one. And then we're going to make sure that we've got some time for, for response, really picking up what Bless Anne just brought to you. All my, my application is basically what Bless Anne just said. Okay, isn't that encouraging? I'll try not to preach it twice. Um, I'm just aware that I'm maybe a little bit crackly this morning. I'll try and put that in a better spot. Okay, so Psalm 98, I'm going to read that for us. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord the king. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. Uh, this, I suppose, follows a little personal journey uh, that uh, I've been embarking on just going through uh, the Psalms. I was reminded um, all those weeks, months ago now, um, when we weren't meeting like this, but kind of recording a sermon in that back corner about lament. In fact, I, um, I brought with me a little boat that I used. So does anyone remember this? If you're new this week, forgive me for the, uh, the reference. Um, I was talking about using lament. The Psalms present us with lots of uh, songs and prayers uh, of sorrow. And we look to engaging with God in our sorrow, not trying to ignore it. Um, and so just in the way that a boat sometimes has to change direction to sail down even a straight canal, if, if the wind is coming straight along that canal, the boat can't sail in a straight line. It needs to be at an angle to catch the wind. So it, it tacks back and forth. 
Uh, and what we were doing earlier in the year is realizing maybe we've come to a point of needing to tack as a, as a people, as a, as a believer. This scenario we might find ourselves in globally is one that's reminding us uh, how to pray in harder times, how to lament. We, we spent some time then learning how to lament. Now it's time not to forget that, uh, but to turn again. To turn again and to practice praise. Uh, to remember the, the wonder of the good news that we have as followers of Jesus. There may still be umpteen reasons to lament, but I'm encouraging you today to practice praise. And perhaps that's been even a theme over the last uh, uh, few weeks as different people have, have, uh, have preached from different passages. Uh, looking at Psalm 98, this is wonderful theme emerges of reflecting on God's salva salvation. It's, it's, a, it's a victory song. It's a song about God's victory. Look, he's, he's worked salvation. He's made his salvation known. Um, like the whole world has seen it, in other words. And so what's happening here in this psalm is God's people and the psalmist who wrote it are, are looking back and they are, are remembering, they are choosing to, to focus on what God has done, particularly uh, in the Exodus, the time when God reached out, uh, heard the cries of his people enslaved in Egypt and sent Moses and with mighty works uh, rescued them from Pharaoh, brought them out and then ultimately into uh, promised land. There's a few things that come across as we look at this, this psalm about God's salvation and why it's worth celebrating. And firstly, it's, it's supernatural. What God has done is supernatural. It's, it just sounds so posh, doesn't it? Well, he has done marvelous. You repeat after me. How can you say that without a posh voice? Uh, he's done marvelous things. I'm sorry about the microphone. I might have done something to it. I'm not even moving. That's amazing, isn't it? Shall I try this one over here? Is that, is that our most current reliable microphone, do you think? Because I wouldn't want to listen to me if I was crackling this much. Um, I'm happy to put this back on, but I will uh, I'll give this a whirl. Oh, shouldn't have put the microphone down my T-shirt. So smooth, isn't it? Okay. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Okay. Is that a little bit easier to listen to, let's be honest? Yeah, you're a good crowd, but come on. Uh, <laughs> so, God's salvation is worth celebrating because it is supernatural. God has done marvellous things. He has done something utterly miraculous. That's what... God's people are remembering at this point. They're saying to one another, do you, do you remember how God uh, reached out to us, how God rescued us with signs and wonders, and then we got to a point which looked utterly hopeless. We were surrounded. On one side was this massive army pursuing us to kill us, and on another side is the sea. And we've got no means of escape through the sea. Uh, they're, they're in utter despair. And the Lord just says, just wait 
hold fast and see what I'm going to do. And he does marvelous things. He, he commands the water to kind of mount up and to create this path uh, through, which they can, through which they can escape. God's done marvelous things. You can check this out in the song that they sing straight afterwards. This is the, uh, uh, the first song in the Bible, actually, in Exodus chapter 15. See, what prompts singing is encountering God's marvelous works. And so Exodus chapter 15, verse 8, puts it in this way. Can you imagine? Um, By the blast of your nostrils, this is speaking to the Lord. This sounds like an unusual worship song, but um, by the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The surging waters stood firm like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. God, just with a blast of his nostrils, opened up this path for them to walk through. Utterly, utterly astonishing, utterly amazing, really, to consider what God has done. And we celebrate without having any massive contribution. It's it's as though, you know, imagine you're on one side of this great chasm, which is too wide and too deep, too treacherous for you to bridge. But... uh, It's like the Lord has come to you. Jesus came to you um, across a a high wire, walking along a high wire um, with a wheelbarrow. And he said, I'm going to rescue you. Now jump in. And so you jump into the wheelbarrow. And what do you have to do at that point? Nothing. Well, maybe hold still. As, As he took you across, you get to the other side and you're not singing, look what we've accomplished. You're singing, look what he's accomplished. We, we've both come out. He's brought me across. This is amazing. This is a wonderful thing. Like when, uh, when Linda was bringing the, uh, the, the tongue earlier on, and both in what Anne brought and, uh, and what Will brought, just the sense of, wow, look at what God's achieved. Look at how he's dealt with condemnation. It's supernatural. It's single-handed in that sense. Like, I, I, I suppose I've already given that one away, really. Uh, God accomplished it all by himself. He reached out. We were in a hopeless predicament. God's people in Egypt were in a hopeless predicament. There was no way for them to to rescue themselves, but God came. I used to, um, once in a while, lead worship back in the day, and uh, someone came up to me and said, "What? in that particular song, you sounded a little bit like Elvis. I thought, yeah, it's because it's that great song, um, Give Thanks to the Lord. We don't have to do that later on. And I just realized that the way that I sang that song was with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. No one else sang it like that. It was just me. <laughs> but that's, that's what we're celebrating. We're, the, the single-handed work of God in our lives. Look what he has done. Look how he has rescued. Look how he has dealt with the enemy. And for God's people back in Exodus, it was dealing with the Pharaoh and his armies. Um, But there was always that sense, though singing this psalm, they could look back in just wonder as they recollect what God had done. Working through the Bible, we can see other points where God's people realize you've done amazing things, but we're aware Something else 
something afresh has to happen. I think that came across from some of the scriptures that uh, Richard was sharing with us last week from Isaiah, for example. You know, at the Exodus, God had massively reached out. After 400 years of slavery, he'd reached out to a people, demonstrated his righteousness. He'd rescued them. He's brought them out with his outstretched arm. This amazing, supernatural, single-handed accomplishment. But with this sense that something else then, years would pass, something else um, was needed. Let me find the verse that I thought I was finding. Isaiah. So Isaiah chapter 51, uh, verse 9. Awake, awake, clothe yourself with strength, O arm of the Lord. Awake as in days gone by, as in generations of old. Something else has to happen. Uh, Isaiah 52, uh, verse 10. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations, and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. You read Exodus, think, well, that, that's kind of already happened. God's done this amazing thing. He's rescued us. It's awesome. He's brought us out. We're a people now. As, you, as they could look around their own nation and realize, no, it's not, everything is not okay. We need God. We need God to stretch out. It's, it, it, it's not to um, denigrate or diminish or not to appreciate what's happened before, but we need afresh the work of God. And then in Isaiah 53, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? And goes on to describe this suffering servant, one, suffering servant, one who would come, a man of sorrows, despised and rejected, like one from whom men would hide their faces, who is not esteemed in the slightest but would take up our sorrows, our sin, and would take upon himself the punishment we deserve. Sometimes we can look at the world and think God needs to do something, a bit like the Exodus, needs to rescue an oppressed people. Things are not okay on planet Earth. There is injustice. There is utter horrors. God, would you act? And also this awareness. But, but we are in darkness. We all have turned away. From God, but the Lord has laid on him, on Jesus, the uh, the iniquity of us all. So you get in in the psalm, the sense that it's supernatural, single single handed, and that this salvation was was seen by the world, was was known, was reported. Um, in Psalm ninety eight, he has remembered his love and his faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Yeah, news sp- spread. Other nations would hear of how God had revealed his righteousness. And maybe their response was actually one of fear, one of terror. Well, if that's what the God of Israel can do, um, we're done for. We, we don't belong to that group many would have thought. So Exodus 15, going back to that song, and verse verse 13. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you've redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them to your holy dwelling. Wonderful. Praise God. He's going to lead us. He's not kind of just rescued us and now he's going to abandon us. He's going to continue to lead us. Wonderful. 
And on it goes, the nations will hear and tremble. Anguish will grip the peoples of Philistia. Chiefs of Edom will be terrified. The leaders of Moab will be seized with trembling. The people of Canaan will melt away. Terror and dread will fall upon them. By the power of your arm, they'll be as still as stone. For them, that was part of the good news. Other nations are going to hear, and they're going to know what our God can do. So they better watch out. God's with us. And it can sound a bit militant. As if that's what... um, the Lord might be like now. There is something about worship which is provocative. Something about declaring God's goodness which can get people's backs up. Um, because it's declaring good news and people might say, well, I'm not, if, if I'm not part of that, uh, how, can I, how can I respond positively? But you see how Jesus concludes um, in, in Luke's Gospel his time with his disciples before he ascended. It says in Luke chapter 24, then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written, that Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. This is good news. This is righteousness. This is a salvation, which is good news for every people group under the sun. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father had promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. This is a good news that is for all the nations of the world. And I I suppose my, my question today is, how convinced are you that Jesus is is good news for the whole world. How, how convinced are you that Jesus is good news for your life? Now, the reading Psalms like this, it's not a guarantee of, you know, this kind of celebratory song is not a guarantee of an easy life. It shows us that we can worship and know the goodness of God in joy and hardship as well. There is something so profoundly good about God that it, it still applies when the going is really tough, when the future is really unclear, when the world is a massive mess, when our own lives might be full of uncertainty. How persuaded are you that God is wonderfully good news? I was was just thinking about, I was thinking about this building this week uh, that we've we've had for some time now. Uh, You might spot uh, by by the, uh, the, the stars of David here and there. That, uh, that it was built uh, as uh, a synagogue. And it wasn't just built like a couple of years ago. It was built in the 1920s. I think that's right, isn't it? Built in the 1920s for the Jewish community. And, uh, and sadly, I think if you were a part of the Jewish community in the 1920s in Europe, um, then you will have known something about anti-Semitism. And therefore, when you were building, thinking, where should we build our synagogue? You're probably thinking it might be wise just to tuck it away. Which is why, if you've been part of City Church for a long time, or even just now, maybe you've had to like, properly search us out this morning, because we're tucked up a side street. Um, or you've been here for donkeys, and you're trying to explain to your, your mate or your neighbor where your church meets. It's like, well, it's like a thousand-seater auditorium tucked away. Why is it tucked away? 
Because there's good reason for a Jewish community to not want to be found. That's a bit sad. And that's, that's true now as well. And I wonder sometimes if that same way of thinking affects us. Maybe affects all believers in this culture, but maybe specifically affects us as a church. We're tucked away. You've got to, you've got to try hard uh, to come and find us. That, that way of thinking can creep in. Now, excuse the, uh, the cultural reference that's about to come up. In also thinking about this building, I was, I was thinking about my favorite TV program when I was five. So I already know this won't register for many of you. Um, but that television program in the mid-1980s uh, was the A-Team. Can I hear a shout-out for the A-Team? Yeah, Google it later, please. Um, I think it's one of those things where if you say it's good, you'll then watch an episode and realize, oh, this is terrible, actually, on a whole number of levels. But there was something about the A-Team when you're five. You just want to see Jeeps explode um, and, uh, and stuff like that, car chases, machine guns, and nobody getting hurt. That was the kind of winning, winning recipe uh, of the A-Team. And every episode was introduced so that you could kind of catch up. So there's this, this is, what it was, this is what we found out every week in the credits. Pretty much the same thing happened every episode as well. It's one of those. So in 1972, repeat after me, a crack commando unit was sent to prison by a military court for a crime they didn't commit. So they're good guys, okay? They're good guys. They've got some skills, but they're on the run. These men promptly escaped from a maximum security stockade to the Los Angeles underground. Uh, today, still wanted by the government, they survive as soldiers of fortune. And so what would happen every episode is there'd be a whole bunch of bad guys doing bad stuff. And the A-team, the four blokes, would find out about it. At some point, the bad guys would capture them and lock them away. We don't have time to deal with you now. I mean, this is such poor thinking, really, isn't it? We don't have time to deal with you now because we need to go and do bad stuff. But we're going to lock you in this garage with a camper van, a MIG welder, and uh, loads of other resources. And so while they're just like biding their time, trying to work out what to do, they would just like make a tank and it would burst out of the garage and they'd, and they'd win the day. Um, it was wonderful. But, this is, uh, forgive me, because this is probably a little bit tenuous. Um, here's how the credits, how's the opening credits of that, of that, each episode would conclude in dramatic fashion. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire the A-team. Okay. But I kind of thought in, in thinking about church life, I thought, does that, describe, does that describe City Church Sheffield? Just a tiny bit, in a weird way. Awesome people who love God. And some people think, that by believing in Jesus, we're committing some kind of crime. And, uh, and we can feel a bit on the run sometimes in this society. As a result, we hide away a little bit. A bit not exactly underground. 
And with an attitude, with those that we come across, we might think, well, if you have a problem, we might think, well, my colleague, my neighbor, my friend, might have a good job, got a nice house. Family life seems to be going okay for them. If they have a problem, do you have a problem? Not, I'm not sure they have a problem. If they don't know Jesus, they have a problem. Whatever background. But we can be on the back foot. We can be a little bit apprehensive. Rather than this great song of rejoicing, we can be, oh, if, we have, if they have a problem. If no one else can help. Well, have you, have you asked anybody else? Because, I mean, don't go into the church as your first resort. You know, um, you know what about? What about your doctor? What about your, your friends? What about kind of getting a decent hobby? Or, you know, swimming or something, you know. Just think about all of that. Maybe then if no one else can help, maybe then the church can step in. And if you can find them, because we're tucked up your street, but it's difficult, maybe you can encounter God through his church. But we're kind of a little bit tucked away. Even thinking about how we use this building, I think it's such a blessing. It's such a wonderful resource. How do we use it now? What do we do now? How do we say, not just with the building, but with our lives, we are, we're not ashamed. We're utterly persuaded that Jesus is good news. It was so great to have that weekend a couple of weekends ago where Will had organized us to do some, some outreach, just cold contact, go out into the park and talk to people that we don't know about Jesus. Because like, we all want to do that. But it's a bit scary. So, uh, so Anne and I went, went out and just thought, every step you take, you kind of think, oh, I want to go back and have a coffee. I don't know what, but then kind of getting into it and just thinking that we've, we've got something. Everybody on planet Earth has some vision of heaven, having heaven on Earth, but without the hope that is offered to us in Jesus. And so we spoke to some lovely Muslim guys about Jesus. I don't know how much we've drawn them closer, but we want to share our faith in Jesus. Totally nerve-wracking. They were totally lovely. Um, another guy who just, at the, at the offer of being prayed for, just like, yes, please do pray for me. My girlfriend's got cancer. So, yeah, we're going to pray for you. Um, others who weren't so keen, to be frank. Um, and you have to kind of like pray and psych yourself up again. But it's just, it's good for us to remind ourselves, we've got good news. Let's maybe not hide away. I need to turn back from the A-team notes and just, how convinced are you that Jesus is good news for everyone? That we have a song of celebration uh, to bring. Now, in responding in just a moment, I'm not, I'm not kind of, I'm not going to get the decibel meter out. It can easily turn into one of those moments where, like, sing it like you mean it, everybody, and everyone winces on the inside. Um, but how do we re- how do we worship? Well, let me just mention a few a few a few things. That w- our worship is a response and a rehearsal. It's a resp- We are responding to the awesome things that God has done through Jesus for all. We're looking back to the victory that he has uh, already accomplished. And we are celebrating that. Worship is also a rehearsal. It's a looking forward to what we're going to see 
in the future. And maybe if you're experiencing bereavement, persecution, massive uncertainty in life, then remember that your worship is a response to the awesome things that's, that God has already done in Christ. And remember that this is like a, it is like a rehearsal for something glorious and wonderful that's, that's to come. So if we were part of an orchestra, um, you know, before the conductor grabs everyone's attention and leads us into the symphony and we play this awesome song, we would spend a little bit of time tuning up. Um, because if you've just been playing the oboe or the flute or the French horn at home, by yourself it may have sound wonderful, but it could get just out of tune. So uh, it might be that the oboe strikes up and everyone listens and just makes sure that they're in tune with it. Just one note. And if you like, that is our life right now. And that's what, as a church, we are doing right now. This life is tuning up to a heavenly orchestra that we're going to be a part of. That will be wonderful. We are tuning our hearts to his good news. And maybe there's something about lockdown which we still need to kind of, in our minds, get out of this kind of just this very personal, very private, frustratingly restricted life. And now we're reminded to, to, to tune our hearts. Maybe actually, even as Blessan was saying, it's time very literally to dust down your your instrument. In being a people that praise God, um, it's a response and a rehearsal. Worship is tuneless and skillful. Yeah. Shout for joy. Make a joyful noise. We should all be able to do that pretty well. Sometimes in preparing uh, in an evening, I might just be sat at home and, uh, and, and Sheffield United just down the road are playing at Bramall Lane. And normally from my house, if the window's open, I could guess what the score is without going online. Because you, you hear this, this massive crowd. You think, is that singing? Is it shouting? Is it chanting? Is it something else? I don't know. But I think they're doing well tonight. <laughs> something about worship that is, that is uninhibited and therefore the, the joy can come out in a way that might be fairly tuneless. But then if we're joining in with the sea that's resounding, and the rivers are clapping their hands. You know that all of creation will, will rejoice when God's righteous ones are revealed. And, it, and creation will be freed from its bondage to decay. It's like, oh, sin no longer affects us. This, this mighty shout, but, but skillful as well. So to help us to sing... When we gather right here, and to help us to sing when we're in different hubs across the city, meeting in different places, we actually need musicians to help us do that. Uh, and I'm so grateful for those who serve uh, in that capacity. But maybe there are some people in this building, and you, you play a musical instrument, but you have, you've set it aside, and it's got dusty. My encouragement is to, is to blow off the dust Get some new strings, practice, 
and then let us know. Let Richard know who is leading worship today. Because as we go into multiple congregations and different places around the city, we've got a song to sing. And uh, the big deal is actually singing. But music really helps us uh, to do that. And it's difficult to say exactly what standard somebody needs to be. There might be an occasion of someone coming up to Richard or someone else and saying, well, I can play. And the response is, well, that's great. Keep practicing. Because the worship leader with a guitar, who has it really easy, might just turn around to the band and say, we're going to do this one in A flat. Like, thank you so much. And all they have to do is move a capo. And it's really easy. And the drummers still can do their thing. But others are thinking, I've got to transpose this into A flat. Oh, you rotter. But that, that is my encouragement. Help us to worship God. And if, if you come as a student, you're, you're still at school, this could be the best time in your life to be practicing and getting hold of it. Or you might be retired. And this is, there's a new opportunity time-wise to, to practice how to make a joyful uh, noise. With worship that is timeless and fresh. There's an ancient psalm telling us to sing a new song. And we should be blessed by both. And, uh, and this, what we do as we worship is, is not totally disconnected from our mission of making Jesus known. Uh, we've had that as a family when we've had relatives come and visit us. Um, before they had put their faith in Jesus. And they just say, I don't know what it is, but when, when you worship, I'm a, I'm a bit undone. I'm, I'm overcome. The worship of this church has had an evangelistic impact with members of my family coming to visit, which is simply mind-blowingly wonderful. And then God's brought a particular family member to this point of clear-cut faith in Jesus and surrender to him with a backdrop of occasionally visiting you lot. It's amazing. I've got another, uh, another relative, and, and her, her story of coming to faith was this, that she, she lived with Christians. Um, she had Christian housemates when she wasn't one, and there wasn't much in her lifestyle lifestyle to suggest that was really the direction in which she was heading. So, um, but she'd be sat in the kitchen with her Christian housemates, willing them to talk about Jesus. I wonder who in your life might be willing you to talk about Jesus and to sound like you actually have good news, and to believe that there is a victory that we have been brought into through Jesus that has eternal significance and consequence. Because until we open our mouth, we might not find out who that is. And even the person who's really, really frosty and may not seem massively receptive still needs the opportunity to hear Good news. This good news that is provocative, that can, can annoy people, but is also inviting. You can be a part of this. So I think we will just spend a bit of time in, in worship and, and wonder what, what, is, what, what does God want to kind of dust off? Literally, physically, musical instruments, but maybe also songwriting 
an ability in faith to put pen to paper to express praise. Maybe there's songwriting gift that just needs the dust blowing off it. Maybe there's generosity that you've operated in with greater freedom than you are right now. Coming from faith in the victory of God and the good news that's in Jesus, it has, it, in times past, it's liberated you to be very generous. But we have just maybe got all a bit tucked in. And with other gift as well. In fact, on the live chat, someone responded to what bless and Oh, come on, help me out here, phone. Someone responded, so I hope, Sammy, you don't mind me just reading out your comment from this morning, watching from home. Thank you, bless Anne. Let our voices, hang on, hang on. Let our voices be our instruments and inspiration too. God is at work. He is giving us directions, moments to speak up and glorify his name. Talk to that stranger. That's what God wants to do. Encourage us. Talk to that stranger. Talk to that friend. Dare to witness to the good news of Jesus. Let's.